Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is that good men and women do nothing I am simply a mouthpiece for good men and women around the world who want to make a difference. The engagement and the involvement of ordinary people is what is going to change our criminal justice system. Many have tried and failed, but the only difference between them and me is I'm bringing an army with me. This is Truth and Justice. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up for episode number 309, Z28. I'm your host, Bob Ruff. And I'm your co-host, Mike Bussing. So as usual, episode 309, like most episodes, has sent a buzz through social media. Everyone's got new thoughts, theories, and a lot of questions, so we want to get right into your comments on 309. I do want to tell you up front that this episode's a little different than normal, uh, and that's for a couple of reasons. The number one reason is this week has been insane. So we've had tons of new leads coming in. Uh, my email has been blowing up and phone calls. So we're actively investigating the case while trying to put together an episode. So it's been a little nuts. It's been especially hard on Mike, who's trying to write an outline, and I keep telling him to change it. So this episode, you'll notice, is a lot more conversational than normal. I actually kind of like that. But it's not going to be your typical formatted Friday follow-up show, which, like we said from the beginning, the Friday follow-ups are supposed to be more conversational and more off the cuff. So that's what you're going to get today. Also, we have three sponsors today. Normally, we have two. So just in general, this episode's a little bit different, but uh, hopefully you enjoy it. And we're going to start right off by hearing from our first sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Smile Direct Club. At Smile Direct Club, they believe that you shouldn't have to pay a fortune to get a smile that you love. They straighten and brighten most smiles for 70% less than other aligners or braces. They work directly with state-certified dentists and orthodontists to ship custom and visible aligners straight to your door in convenient monthly shipments. This means no more expensive in-office visits, no more embarrassing wires or brackets, and no more wasting money. Okay, Bob, I want to tell you about my experience so far with Smile Direct Club. Right, because you just got your first kit last week. How did that go? That's right. I got it last week, and it's been a pretty easy experience up to this point. So I received my impression kit in the mail with a step-by-step instruction guide to help me put my molds together. I made a total of four impressions, two for my top teeth and two for my bottoms, using molding putty and trays that they provided. The molding process wasn't messy at all. All the molds only took about three and a half minutes each to make. Next, I snapped some photos of my teeth to upload to their website at smiledirectclub.com. With the molds and the photos, Smile Direct Club will generate a 3D image of my smile where a licensed dental professional will assess them and create a treatment plan that works for me. So you didn't have to go to the dentist at all. So you, I know you've been self-conscious about your smile for a long time. Mike brought in here the other day the molds that he made. He showed me he made a mold of his top and bottom teeth and sent them off in a box, snapped a couple of pictures. So then what happens next? They're going to send you invisible aligners, right, for your teeth? 
Yeah, they're going to take a look at the molds and photos and create a plan for me. And then every month, they're going to send me invisible aligners to start my treatment. This seems like a really incredible process. I've had to go through braces with one of my kids, and it's extremely expensive, and it's a long, drawn-out process with a lot of trips to the dentist. But Smile Direct Club, they're 70% less than other brands or braces, but you could save even more because they accept insurance or FSAs. Many dental insurance plans reimburse customers for a portion of the cost of invisible aligners. Now, there are other invisible aligner brands that can cost up to $5,000 on average. But with Smile Direct Club, the cost is much less than that, and there's two simple ways to pay. The single pay option is a single payment of $1,700, and all lab costs are waived. Or you can take advantage of the Smile Pay. It's only $250 down and $99 a month for 17 months, for a total of $1,933 and no credit checks required. So if you've been looking to do something about your smile, you can get started with an at-home impression kit for only $95. And it's covered by their smile guarantee. So if your aligners aren't a good fit for you, you get your money back. And with a special offer just for Truth and Justice listeners, you can save 50% off of the evaluation cost. All you have to do to save 50% off the cost of Smile Direct Club's at-home impression kit is to go visit smiledirectclub.com and use my unique promo code TRUTH at checkout. Unavailable in North Carolina. Visit SmileDirectClub.com and use the promo code TRUTH today if you, your children, ages 12 and up, or anyone you know is interested in straightening their smile. That's SmileDirectClub.com and use promo code TRUTH. Okay, we'll hear more about Smile Direct Club as I go on with my journey. But for now, let's get started on the actual content of today's show. Okay, sounds good. We got it together. Let's get started on the social media from episode 309. Okay, this week on social media, you asked listeners what they thought of Jesse James Swindell's statement about Kiao Gove being abducted into a white Z28 Camaro. Let's take a look at some of the responses people had. Now, let's point out that this I asked this question before the episode dropped. I kind of wanted to, to, to judge how people were feeling about the white Camaro story before the episode dropped. And then again, after they heard episode 309. So these were the responses before these were the responses before the episode dropped. Okay. John says, I think it's the best lead so far. And it fits with the theory of the attack starting at one point and ending at another. Listener Shanna writes, if we believe the witnesses that saw a woman, Kiao, being dragged into the Z28, I'm wondering how she got out of the car to end up in the school grounds. Also, do you think that the witness could have seen a struggle at the white car, but not them actually dragging her into the car? Seems like this could have been the initial crime scene that Kiao broke free from and ran until he caught up with her in the school grounds and ultimately killed her. Okay, let's talk about that one for a minute, because that actually raises several issues. Um, One is the overwhelming concern that people have, even after episode 309, is could five people fit inside of that Z28 Camaro. And I I put photos up on the website and on Facebook and on Twitter. And you see it's a, well, it's a big car, but it's a, it's two doors, not much of a backseat. Is it possible? And and that's a tricky question because it is possible. I mean, it's possible to fit probably six people in there. I mean, we've all done that in high school. You pile a bunch of people into a car more than is comfortable, but is it possible with somebody kicking and screaming mm-hmm. and so we're it's, it's like trying to figure out like could this scenario happen it's not like how many could fit in the car but and i would love to see someone if anybody happens to have a two-door early 80s camaro to to see how that would kind of play out to reconstruct all i have is big pickup trucks and mike's got the old green hornet outside <laughs> yeah. uh, which is four-door but 
the way there were there were some details in the way that Jesse James Wendell described uh, the attack. I mean, to answer the question about is it possible it started there, she got away. Mm-hmm. I like to think, yeah, maybe it did. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe that is what happened because it makes more sense, especially when we have the the knife in her hand. But then Swindell says he specifically saw them pull her through the car. He said, so like what I'm picturing is someone. Remember, Kiel's only five foot tall, hundred pounds, tiny little woman. Um, that someone is like has her like around the shoulder, chest area, right? And they just like dive into the back seat, pulling her with. A second person has her feet and like follows into that back seat. So you've got two in the back seat holding her basically across their lap. Sure. And then the driver and the passenger get in the front seats and they take off. Like, I can see that happening, but I'm having a hard time reconciling that with how does she get out of the car? And the only thing I can think of is what if the knife was concealed? You know, if she, if somehow she had it concealed. So, so like, if they attacked her, mm-hmm. pull her into the car, thinking she's unarmed and they've got her, right? And then they get around the corner and, and she pulls a knife out and starts threatening with a knife. And they're like, stop the car, get her out of here. They push her out of the car. If we're dealing with... Now, again, again, this is if Swindell got the number of people right. So, like, if we're dealing with seriously five people, four attackers and Kihau, it's likely that, you know, maybe one or two of them are like, fuck this, get her out of here. And then one of the other ones or a couple of the other ones are like, you can't let her go. She's seen us all now. And they and they take off and go after her. So I, I guess that's a possibility, but I, I still don't know the answer of if they got her into the back seat. I know that they could, but if they got her in, how do they get her out? Right. And was there anything else? What did you have more questions in that post? No, but we did have a few other questions regarding the number of attackers and how it was possible for Kiao to get out of that car. Okay. Uh, so I'm glad that you did cover that. I feel like she wouldn't necessarily wait until she was in the car to pull the knife out. Yeah, it seems... Well, the whole knife in general is weird. Yeah. Like, I wonder, and I'm sure this is probably a question you have later on in the show, so I don't want to get into it too much now, but... But, like, I'm wondering how sure was Kenneth that that was their knife? Right, exactly. And I know that's come up before, but it's made me think, like, like how sure is he? Like, it, it, you know, it's a standard wooden-handled butcher knife. Uh, and he says, yeah, he thinks that's ours. I need to go back and look at those reports and see how positive he was or was it just like yeah well maybe a knife is missing i don't know uh, but that knife the knife really does confuse things a little bit it does seem odd that she would keep it concealed and yeah wait until she was in the car trapped before she pulled it out you know it's... well but what if she got just jumped you know mm-hmm. well so say she had it like tucked into her waistband or something um also maybe couldn't reach it, it or, well or just didn't have time this is another thing that I'm probably just destroying your outline right now. I'm sorry. It's fine. It'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like the the main purpose of the outline is to get organic conversation out of you, and and it's uh, we're doing that, so it doesn't matter. Okay. So the girdle. When when reading the police reports in Watts notes last week, I did find that he had a conversation at the ME's office or at the police station with uh, Kenneth Gove. Kind of this is years later, going through some of the property and stuff, asking about the clothes and all that. Sure. And Kenneth Gove said that she did wear the girdle all. He said the girdle was always there. She always wore the girdle. Okay. So that the the girdle is a red herring. She does. That was not only, you know, I think Clemente suggested that maybe that she was tucking the knife into the girdle or something, could be. But she always wore it. We do know that. Okay. But so like imagine that she was she did have the knife tucked into a girdle or something like that. And then just out of nowhere, somebody pulls up the car, jumps up from behind her, grabs her arms, grabs her legs. She doesn't have time to get to the knife. Then she gets into the car and maybe gets freed up a little bit and pulls the knife out. 
Sure. I mean, I think that's it's at least plausible, but except for the fact I've always struggled with where do you conceal an eight inch butcher knife? Yeah, exactly. So anyway, what else you got, Mike? Okay. Listener Tanya says she thinks it's possible that the car wasn't even a Camaro. People mix up cars, makes, and models all the time. Bob, how sure are you at this point that we're actually talking about a Z28 Camaro here? I have to say that I am pretty damn sure that it is, in fact. And the reason for that is there's a couple of reasons. One is the fact that Jesse James Wendell, the the vivid memory that he had, the detail that's burned into his mind was that it said Z28 on the side. And so since it says Z28 outside, the, the only Z28 car around the time was the Z28 Camaro. You know, there were other Zs. Yeah. There was like a Z34 Lumina or a Z, other numbers associated with other vehicles. But the Z28 was the Camaro. Mm-hmm. Um, also, some of the research that we've been doing this week, um, chasing down some of these leads, I can tell you now with 100% of surety that I'm sure it was. Uh, if Jesse James Wendell witnessed this attack, that it was, in fact, a Z28 Camaro. I'm, I'm quite sure of that at this point. Sure. Which we'll get into more of that uh, in the coming weeks uh, because we've got a lot of leads to chase down in the next several weeks. Now, I don't have it in my outline right now, but there was a listener from Australia who said on social media that when he was in school in the early 90s, a lot of the kids had sort of beater cars that they would modify, you know, with certain decals or stickers or things like that to make them appear as though they were other cars or, or more expensive cars. Do you think anything like that could have happened? I, I, I might have said maybe on Monday, but today, Wednesday, I'm recording this, knowing what I know now about what was going on in Pleasant Grove at that time. No, I don't think so. I, I'll tell you this. I've seen a picture of the car mm-hmm. Okay. at this point. I've seen a photo of maybe not the car, but a white Z28 Camaro that the kids in that neighborhood were hanging around. I've seen the photo of it. It was, in fact, a white Z28 Camaro. Right. We're, we're pushing the, the no doubt here. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, even even have gone as far to analyze like that photo. And, and of course, Mike's seen it. He's been working on it with me. The details of the angles that the stickers change direction and thing. It is. That's what it is. It's yeah. a white Z28 Camaro. Again, that's not saying that's the car that Swindell witnessed, but it's a pretty unlikely. I, I As Jim Clemente says, I don't believe in coincidences. Sure. Okay, moving forward. Stacy says, I'm curious to know more about the cousin they were looking for that morning. And this would be Ronnie. About Ronnie Blackwell? Well, we're still looking into Ronnie Blackwell a little bit further. As a matter of fact, a background check I was just doing on him came back recently. I know that he did have a little bit of uh, trouble with the law. When I say recently, I'm sorry, I was thinking out loud because I watched it pop up on my computer over there while we were just now talking here. Right. Um, so, and I, I know, again, I want to apologize. I know this is a weird, a weird, weird Friday follow-up episode, but there's just so much besides the, you know, the withdrawal thing. And that was, we were joking, but that's real talk. Uh, but at the same time, there is a lot happening in real time right now with this investigation. So it's it's that investigation, prepping for one episode, prepping for the episode, other episode, all these background searches for all these people and phone calls going out. This is all happening at one time. So this is what a real-time investigation looks like. You're in the middle of it right now. Um, but Ronnie Blackwell, it looks like when he was younger, had a little bit of trouble with the law. Um, I think he was in jail for a car theft when um, Detective Watts talked to him. Uh, but as far as I know, he's got his act cleaned up now. Um, he's actually one of the people that I'm trying to get a hold of as we speak. But um, don't know a whole lot about Ronnie Blackwell at this point, but we are I- intensely looking into him right now. Let me point out, sorry, not necessarily uh, to say as a suspect, but someone that uh, is certainly a person of interest that may have in more information for us. Sure. And we might have a little something more on that uh, in the next full episode, yeah? Yes. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't 
don't know yet, Mike. I'm I'm sitting here watching my email go nuts over there, and it's driving me crazy. Right? Okay. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Katina wants to know, have you been able to contact Jesse James Swindell or Ronnie Blackwell by any chance? Maybe they still know of those people and maybe their whereabouts. Just a thought. Actually, yes, I have. In the end of episode 308, the teaser, you heard that little bit of audio of somebody describing like the northeast corner of Grady Spruce Grounds. That was actually Jesse James Swindell. Uh, and I had planned on using some audio from him in 309, but a couple of things happened. Number one, there was just so much other detail to dig into. And I kind of had to move into kind of teaching mode there to make sure we hit all the points. And I just never found a good spot to fit his conversation in. And I figured we could always cover it here in the Friday follow-up. Also, there's very little audio. There's only a couple of minutes and it's terrible audio. And the reason for that is the story of how I was able to track down Jesse James Wendell. So there was a bunch of background checking work, the same type of thing that I normally do looking for someone. None of the phone numbers I had worked. I had an address that was uh, well over an hour outside of where I was staying in Dallas. Drove all the way to the place that I had as his house. Turns out it used to be his house. It's a rental now. He was renting it to this nice couple who then gave me his phone number. So then I was like driving down the road, called him just to check to see if maybe that happened to be the correct phone number. And he answered. And so like I pulled over on the side of the road and I had my portable recorder. I thought on actually Chris Brinkley, our web guy was with me. We thought we had it on and I had the phone on speaker. Talked to Jesse for a few minutes. And he confirmed that uh, it was, in fact, him. He did remember the incident. Fuzzy on the details. He straight up said, you know what, dude, it's been 25 years. I don't really remember. Didn't even remember exactly what kind of car it was. Right. But he did remember witnessing this attack back then. Uh, and he kind of explained why. And, I'll, and, and I think I'll just play a little bit of the audio here for you. Well, I think everybody would love to hear that. Yeah. And, it, and, and it, this is what you're about to hear is my call back to Jesse James Wendell. So... I guess let me first finish laying the groundwork here. In the first conversation, he remembered the attack. He says that the reason they never called 911 is they thought that it was like somebody's girlfriend, like it was someone's drunk girlfriend that uh, was kicking and screaming and didn't want to go into the car. And so all these guys were like dragging her into the car. And apparently in that neighborhood, you know, they just didn't really think much more than that. It wasn't until the next morning when Jesse's mom told them, hey, there was a murder out there by the high school yesterday morning around 7.30. And they were like, oh shit, that was, that we saw that. We yeah. saw that happen. But in that first conversation, uh, Jesse mentioned something that they drove around the corner and then dropped the woman off, that they, they threw her out of the car there or whatever. 
we got off the phone, two things happened. One, I realized that the recorder wasn't recording. Oh. <laughs> right. So we missed that whole thing. Yikes. That's a mistake you never would have made, Mike. That no. Was a, that's all Brinkley right there. That's on you, Brinkley. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's listening right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He knows I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but so then we called him back because that whole statement about seeing them about them throwing her out of the car caught me off guard at the moment. I thought, shit, did they see that? That wasn't in his report. So I called back this time, made sure we had the recorder on, and he explained that, no, 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 he didn't see them throw her out of the car. Uh, he said they saw the car drive around the corner. They made the front of the school. Uh, then he said the detective, must have been Royster, told him that that's where they had thrown her out of the car. He knew at that point where Kiao's body had been found when he was telling me this story, but he said, no, they did not see that car stop and throw anybody out of the car or anything like that. Um, and so that's what you'll kind of hear in the second conversation. So I'll just play a couple minutes of the audio. It's only like three minutes long. But the problem is being on speakerphone and recording in one microphone, I'm really loud. He's really quiet. Sure. So it's it's hard to balance it. So what I'll do is I'll probably just kind of cut my voice out of it, and I'll just let you hear what Jesse had to say. Sounds good. All right, so here's Jesse James Swindell. Hey, Jesse, man. Sorry to bug you again. Oh, no, you did, buddy. Um, yeah, so I was just right back on the phone with you. I, I happen to think you said something about the, you know, they went around the block twice, and then they dumped uh, her body off. Did you actually see them throw the body out of the car? No, I didn't see them throw the body out. Okay. They pulled over, and that's what they were doing, I guess. That's what the other guy that Jackie told me, but. Okay. So you. They, actually, they went back to court, I think, uh, probably like 18 or something like that. you saw that someone was murdered? Yep. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to probably find a crowd that was probably, I'm going to say in their 20s, some guys. So you'd have to find a crowd that's probably in their 20s back then because, I mean, I literally grew up there. So, I mean, there wasn't that many black and white guys there. So if you find one, they're going to start naming off some, you know? Right, right. Well, hey man, we're gonna we're gonna look into it. I, th- I think you I think you witnessed the murder, and I think you're the only one that did. So, oh yeah, man. I mean, if I can, I'll assist you. But I, I mean, the only thing I can tell you is what I tell you now, because I'm not as young. Still remember the corner and all that where cause when we come off of and turned uh-huh. the house on the corner. I still remember exactly where it's at. But yeah. So now you saw you saw him you saw him first where on the north side of the school. I mean, no, it was on the side of the school. The northeast corner, there's a little road that turns back up into the neighborhood. Right, right. And then my aunt was coming out of that neighborhood, and they was actually on the north. I don't remember the name of that street, but they were on that uh, street to the north of the high school, which is the back of the high school. And then they went east onto, like, September Street, which is on the east side of the school? It, yeah, they went back east and then turned south on that uh, side street. And maybe, I don't know, probably 200 feet down there is where they stopped at. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks again. That's, you know, I, I may get in touch with you later on, but I think pretty much you've told me everything I need to know. So uh, it's really helpful. I really do appreciate it. All right, buddy. Yep. Take care, man. Okay, so that was Jesse James Swindell. Uh, my impression of him when I talked to him, and now it's been a couple of months now, was that he's telling the truth. He's got no reason to lie. I mean, why does a 38-year-old man, what reason does a 38-year-old man now have to tell me this, a lie? Right. What, what does he have to gain by saying that he saw something happen all these years ago? I mean, he's a responsible guy. Good job. I mean, he has rental properties. 
you know, he's he's a good guy. He seemed like a good old boy. Yeah. But, but there's no reason for him to lie to me. Right. What's the motive in it for him? Right. So I definitely that that was part of the reason leading into going into episode 309 that I thought, OK, maybe Jesse's telling the truth. I talked to him because originally I thought this cra- this story was crazy. Like it just didn't make any sense to me. The, yeah. The white Camaro. Um, but with some information that you, I know you are going to hear in Sunday's episode, uh, there were some other witnesses that I spoke to that sent shivers down my spine, so to speak, and let me know that maybe there was a little more validity to the white Camaro to begin with. And then talking to Jesse James Wendell, who has no reason to lie all these years later, that tells me, yes, he did witness the attack, you know, along with Jim Clemente's profile that starts to indicate, you know, that actually makes sense, a secondary and a primary crime scene. Sure. Young, criminally inexperienced offenders. uh, Everything kind of starts to fall into place. But so for right now, uh, I'm working on getting a hold of Jesse James Wendell again in hopes that he can put me in touch with his cousin, Ronnie Blackwell, so that we can continue to try to uh, chase down some of these leads that Watts never chased down. Just a couple more things here before we get into the voicemails. This is something interesting from listener Rebecca. Rebecca writes, I was wondering if you know if the Crime Stoppers reward would be considered taxable income. If so, would there be a way to get Carol and or Troy's tax returns for that year and see if any income like that was reported? <laughs> it's, 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 you're, it's a little you're setting far, up jokes. <laughs> it's a little far out there. Uh, I don't think it's far out there at all. But the joke is that there's a, like the biggest news story ever right now is that Donald Trump won't release his tax returns, yeah, which is what answers the question that tax returns are confidential. I have no way to get somebody's personal tax return, much like we can't get Donald Trump's personal tax return. So this was this whole thing was a jab because of the whole Trump deal, and I didn't know that reading it to you. No, 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 no. I don't. I think that they I, were being serious. I don't know if they were. What if they weren't? <laughs> No, 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 because it's a serious question. Yeah. Like, like it really, if we could get tax returns, we could see if they had, because, you know, if Crime Stoppers gave them a 1099 for a payout, that would sure. be great. But as we now know, tax returns are not uh, that easily accessible. Well, maybe that's just because he's the president, too. I don't know. <laughs> Can we move on to the next question? Yes, yes. Let's next get question. Good. Well, who was that? That was Rebecca. Thanks for the question, Rebecca. It, 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 and honestly, though, I do want to point out that is a good question. It's just it just struck me as funny because I'm literally just watching all these news stories about tax returns when she said that. But yeah, yeah, I would think that it probably would be reportable income. But no, we don't have access to people's tax returns. David writes, I have a question. Nowadays on different crime shows, I see detectives looking for CC video. Don't know if that technology was around back then, but did anyone check that out? Just a thought. So what do you think, Bob? Were there any videotapes or anything like that? Maybe cameras and parking lots in the area at the time of the murder? Uh, no, I don't think there even is today. That's We looked. You know, I've, I've seen areas like, like when you go to Baltimore. You know, there's certain neighborhoods in Baltimore you go and there's like there's cameras everywhere. Uh, but in, in this particular area in Pleasant Grove, uh, even to this day, there's no cameras. And I'm, I'm certain if there were cameras then, that would have been the first thing police would have done was go look for the camera. But, you know, they could have back then maybe pulled other street cams from around the neighborhood to see if anybody was speeding away, but it's too quiet of a neighbor. I don't think there was any cameras there then or now, at least really close by, but it's good thought. All right, that's going to do it. Let's hear from our last sponsor and then we'll get to the voicemails. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, Bob, this first voicemail is from Carrie from Los Angeles. Hey, Bob and Mike. My name is Carrie, and I'm calling from Los Angeles, California. Uh, to eliminate the possibility that Jesse Swindell didn't witness the kidnapping of someone other than Kiao, uh, did you guys investigate whether there were any other reported kidnappings or missing person reports filed the day of Kiao's murder? It seems unlikely, but definitely worth checking out. Thanks, guys, and keep up the great work. That's a great question, Carrie. And as far as we know, no, there were no other kidnappings or abductions. Uh, I've been having a little bit of trouble with Dallas PD getting my open records requests uh, sent back into me. Uh, but we do have information from trial from the defense attorney and the prosecutors trying to find any other crimes that may be connected. And there's nothing about anyone going missing, nothing about anyone being kidnapped or abducted or anything like that. So uh, at this point, I can't say that we know with 100% of surety that there was no kidnapping or abduction You know, besides Kiao's that morning. But I would say with, I don't know, 98% assurity that that probably didn't happen because it would have been brought up at trial by either the prosecution or the defense. It would have been in Watts' notes. It would have been in Royster's notes. And all of the people they interviewed, you know, they interviewed literally every single person in that neighborhood. Something like 60 people were interviewed. And no one happened to mention the other person that got kidnapped on that morning. So I think at this point, if Jesse James Swindell did indeed witness that attack, then it was Kiao that was being attacked. I think we can at least say that. If that's what he saw, then it was, in fact, Kiao. All right, this next one's from Caitlin from Baltimore. Hi, guys. This is Caitlin from Baltimore. I've been wondering whether or not the police did an interview with Jesse Eldridge and what came of that, because I thought it was a little odd that they arrested him without um, doing an interview or trying to get a confession. Thanks. Well, Caitlin, it is weird. It's extremely odd that they didn't ever interview Jesse before he was arrested. But I think it just goes to show that the police never really thought that he probably was the one that did it. Now, Watts, remember, is the master interrogator, the guy that gets people to talk. And he never puts Jesse Eldridge into an interrogation room and speaks to him at all. He never talked to Jesse until after he was arrested. So that right there should throw up some red flags for us. Why does the master interrogator not want to try to get a confession from someone after three years of working this case, he waits till after he's arrested and the charges have already been filed before he even talks to him. And the extent of that conversation was Jesse saying that he knows nothing about this. He doesn't even know why they're talking to him and telling him he's willing to take a lie detector test and take whatever blood and hair samples they want from him. Jesse really, at that point, from what he's told me on the phone, is that he just thought he thought it was a joke. There was just no way they were trying to arrest him for this murder. He just didn't believe it could happen. But the short answer to your question is no, he was never interviewed before his arrest. All right, Bob, this last voicemail is from Winston, and he has some really interesting information about Jesse James Swindell's recollection of Kiao Gove's clothing. Hello, um, my name is Winston Laszlo, and uh, I just finished listening to episode 309, and I thought I'd leave a thought. Uh, I thought I'd leave a thought. Um and it has to do with the testimony of Jesse James Swindell, his eyewitness to the Z28, um, and the questions that had arisen. 
uh, about, well, specifically the color of Kiao's pants. He, I believe the, what he had said during the trial was that they were white or gray or like that or some such thing. And um, you had mentioned, Bob, that that was an inconsistency, um, that in fact she was wearing some kind of I think light blue pants, was it? And I just wanted to point out that on the early morning hours, which as he described was sort of halfway between dark and light, um, the way colors work, the way the eye works, we tend not to see color. Uh, you know, the rods and the cones in the retina, uh, the low-level receptors, the rods only see black and white. Um, so it is, tends to be that the color gets washed out in low light levels, and that could explain why it appeared to him to be gray or white as opposed to blue. I think a similar issue could be uh, uh, um, explain the discrepancy sometimes between the color of the Camaro or the uh, yeah the Z28 as to whether it was white or gray. I think that issue came up later in the episode. In any case, I just thought I would throw that in and thank you very much for your fascinating podcast, uh, and you take good care. Bye-bye. I think Winston should have his own podcast. Yeah, he's got that radio voice, doesn't he? Yeah, it kind of was like lulling me into just comfort Yeah, Winslow's voice. But that's that's a really good point, and what Winslow's saying here is, so Jesse James Wendell says at trial that as far as he remembers, he I was wearing pants, but they were like uh, whitish, grayish, or something like that, and they were in fact light blue, and apparently that's something that actually happens with the eyes in low light. He says what the, the rods only see black and white, mm-hmm. and so in low light levels, things will tend to be more washed out like that. But it, it is certainly, imagine, so, so Jesse James Wendell is saying, he's sure she was wearing pants, they were white or, or gray or something like that in the low light, and they're actually light blue, which is pretty damn close, and what Winslow's telling us could actually even be explained, compared to Troy's statement, which he never said what color clothes she was wearing on the record in any case, no one ever asked him, and then to me, as far as he knows, his recollection is that she's wearing a house coat and walking a dog. So And I know the two are apples and oranges here, because one really, to be honest, has nothing to do with the other. I've already, in my mind at least, pretty much decided that Troy is lying. And so trying to assess the validity of Jesse's statement, to me, that's pretty spot on. In low lighting, seeing white or light gray pants when they're actually light blue pants is pretty damn close. All right, but in any case, thank you so much, Winston, for that. And I apologize, I think I called you Winslow a minute ago. It was Winston, right? Yeah, it was Winston. Winston Laszlo. Uh, thank you so much, Winston, for that information, and thank you to all of you for all of your thoughts, theories, and ideas. Hopefully, this episode didn't drive you crazy. This was about as off the cuff as uh, we've ever been, yeah. and, and Mike does have this really extensive, organized outline here, so you can blame me for the the, the kind of craziness. But there's just there's just so much happening right now. Like this is, I think I had tweeted out the other day. There's just like lead on lead on lead. There's just a lot of moving parts happening, and there's just so much going on at one time that, you know, and this is what I always envisioned the Friday follow-up being, was relaxed, more off-the-cuff conversational. So uh, that's what you got this week. So thanks, everybody, for participating. Thanks, Mike, for putting up with me today. Hey, thank you, Bob. And on Sunday's episode, we're going to hear from another witness that is going to shed even more light onto the story of the murder of Kiao Go. So make sure you tune in on Sunday, where we're finally going to hear from Shirley and Danny Stanberry. 
Truth and Justice is a production of New Beginning Incorporated. Mike Bussing is our executive producer. All music for the episode was written and composed by PutThemInASong.com. Our logo was created by Amanda Meyer of Willow Photo and Design. I want to thank Chris Brinkley of SylviaConsultants.com for creating and maintaining our website. And thank you, as always, to our transcription team, Desiree Dunn, Sarah Hoyt, and Sarah Mueller for transcribing all the episodes and mailing them off to Ed and Kenny and Jesse every week. Thank you so much for all of your hard work. And thank you, as always, to all of you for all your engagement and support. Keep sending in your thoughts, theories, and ideas to theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. But however you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice. It's going to be a rough one, buddy. (laughs) It's going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, Real talk. Can we do real talk with the listeners for a minute? You don't want to do real talk. I don't want, I don't think there's a place for that on this show. For fuck's sake, don't do it. We're doing real talk. God damn it. (laughs) Right now, this is real talk. Both of us used to be smokers. Both of us uh, then switched over to using electronic cigarettes for years and decided Monday. (laughs) No, this is. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a Okay. Uh, about 48 hours into no nicotine, and we're having withdrawals, and we're having trouble thinking. Oh, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't handle this. I can't handle this. Dude. So let's get right into your thoughts and theory. <laughs> Can we start over? No. No, breathe. I'm not starting over. That okay. is... That's that's the deal. They all Now everybody knows. Like, listeners, there's people out there that have quit smoking... Uh, that have quit chewing tobacco, that have quit other addictive habits. It's rough. So you know that's what's happening in the studio right now. But hey, they can straighten out your teeth, and they do it through the mail. That's terrible. No. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> they do it through the mail. <laughs> <laughs> they fix your teeth through the mail. That's how they do it. Yeah. They mail you a teeth fixer upper. <laughs> Okay, here we go again. Here we go again. I I can read it. I've got it written out. Okay, but All you right. seem to be struggling. So am I. I. I'm sorry. <laughs> let let me just let me just. We'll go back to where I left off. Okay. <laughs> do not put that in the blooper reel. Copy that. Don't write it down because do not put my no, belts no, in the blooper fine. reel. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can see that happening. I'm among a heart. Happening. I'm among a heart. I'm among a heart. I'm among a heart. I'm among a heart. Do you think it's possible? How do you think she got out of the car? With a cigarette? I think... <laughs> Give me a break. We might as well be doing this drunk. We <laughs> might as well be. <laughs> right. This is crazy. Exfoliating facial cleanser? No, I didn't know they had a facial cleanser. They sure do. Oh, that's awesome. Use it on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in other 
various parts of my face. Yeah. Not other heads, though. <laughs> Not other what? Not other heads, though. Let's just cut your line out, Lee. Let's <laughs> once again, we'll nix my line. <laughs> Not other heads. <laughs> Harry's razors. Never go to the post office again. <laughs> uh, a better way to shave. <laughs> This is so bad, Bob. What if it's not, though? I'm so scared, dude. What if it's not? What if it's awesome? It's not awesome. <laughs> what if it's awesome? And it, but you know, listen, if it's awesome... We got a new format. And this is what the... Because this is, to be honest, this is what I wanted the Friday follow-ups to be. Off the cuff. Off the f***ing cuff. Off the outline. Off the outline. Not really, though. Use the outline. Right, yeah, because yeah. there's a lot of important things we got to make sure we cover. <laughs> right. But I think we're doing great. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the end of the world, right? Right. So leave... <laughs>